1: The sketch doesn't start with you shouting. It's not a good one. (laughs) I'm having the time of my life, Paul. Can you believe we're we're here? I can't believe it. Where are we? We're at the show. Sorry. I was just so enthused. I wanted to... I was shouting at you like, where are we? It's such a fun show, James. I'm having such a good time. It's so good. This show is the best. I I just uh, I'm rooting for the, the, whole the guy on the stage. I'm rooting root, rooting for the guy on the stage, and I'm eating some cracker jacks. And I think I have the wrong sh- kind of show that we're at. I yeah, think we're I at prepared for the show with music bands. I thought this was going to be a baseball program, and so I brought my scorecards. Can I can I still have this beer? Does that that still works? <laughs> That atmosphere. does still work. Why? Why are you wearing full umpire gear? I I thought it was like a cosplay kind of situation, like at Comic Con. So you um, show up so to a I'm, baseball game wearing full umpire gear. It it allows me. The the face mask doubles as protection from like you know when fans get rowdy. But um, you know it'll it'll be fine. It just looks like I'm. Uh, you know, one of the uh, entourage, the James, setup crew. James, if I could interject here, I would love to point out that we couldn't f- bother with new content these these past few weeks, but we did somehow manage to include three new dumb skits. <laughs> so we cut out all the stuff people uh, enjoy about the show and just kept in the dumb shit that we like. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if they... If they didn't come for the dumb shit, <laughs> they'll stay for the stuff they've already heard. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, uh, umpire James Kaminsky. <laughs> Call and shots. Paul, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is out of this world. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. Um, and we're our Jack White history podcast where we go over Jack White uh, music and uh, albums and et cetera and uh, we're on fall break, okay so yeah. let's just get that out in the open and we are presenting this is the last in the trilogy of best of episodes that you've all suffered through and this one is gonna be a pretty cool one. I'm pretty excited about this one what do you what do you think, James? Paul, I know so much about this upcoming <laughs> episode. It's crazy. <laughs> So prepared. Let's have you talk about it as if you do know what it is. Well, Paul, sometimes uh, we go to see shows, ah, and, and we are just so over the moon for these shows that you know we just fall in love with them. Oh, we do, James. You got it. Got it in one. I'm safe. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be doing this is a best of fell in love with a show James fell in love with a show is where we go to see Jack White or uh, Third Man Records related acts and then we talk about them on the show sometimes with a guest sometimes Mm -hmm. not and we're going to have a ball here yeah we're going to have ourselves a real good time do we want to do we want to start this off with some original content wait 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 Paul did you just say have a ball (laughs) take your
2: (laughs) bass (laughs)
1: <laughs> i love umpire james so much um so we're gonna you know james do you want do you want me to just relay some original content some real oc here don't call it that yeah. please uh let's let's get real let's get our oc out here let's let her lay our peepers on the line uh james i went to go see uh i went to go see lily may again not that long ago oh snap how was that? Oh, well, it was lovely, James. I went to go see her at uh, the Hotel Cafe. It was a t- teeny, tiny little club in Hollywood, California, home of Jay Leno. and uh, He lives there? Uh, probably. I don't know. At the cafe? Yeah. He's <laughs> odd. How does he fit all his cars in there? <laughs> uh so anyway yeah i went to go see lily may and uh i went i went with uh my good friend andrew and we saw lily may had a chance to chat with her outside and she was very gracious and lovely again and we talked a little bit about wildfires and the hazards therein and and how her tour was going and uh i think she was a little maybe high maybe a little bit <laughs> and um yeah, it was it was a very good time, and I uh, so yeah we this hotel cafe place very very teeny tiny tiny little uh, club there. There's a bar, and then there's a small stage, even smaller than when I saw her the first time uh-huh. with uh, Tom Valenti, which we'll hear later in this episode. We're talking like just like a room, like a bar, like like a small bar, and then like the corner there's like a little stage and there were tables and little lamps at the tables I, f- I felt like i was in a vic fontaine hollow suite and we uh we sat at the table and uh, enjoyed lily may and had drink service and it was a lovely lovely experience and and her set was awesome and it was nearly identical to the one i saw the first time <laughs> I mean, she only has the one album, so um, well, I guess she has she has some material she can pull on from from her previous career, but she's promoting her one album, so it makes sense that it'll be similarly paced. And yeah, she's doing a lot of smaller venues, which I kind of dig. You know, it's it's much more intimate. It feels more like you're connecting to the musician in those gigs. When I saw her, it was it was similar. I mean, it was probably a little bigger than than uh, that tiny stage you're talking about. But it seems more uh, like a private affair, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so so it was really great seeing her. And so anyway, James, that's an example of a fell in love with a show segment. And we're going to just go through and uh, play you some of the highlights from various fell in love with a show segments we've done on the podcast so far. Yeah. So you want to get to it, Paul? Yeah, well, why not? Let's do it. So anyway, next week we're going to be back with all new material, and it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. And uh, thank you. Hopefully, for bear- you won't think it's foul. <laughs> foul ball. I love this. I love it. Season two, James characters. <laughs> Umpire James out the gate. Season two, we nailed it. <laughs> yeah, we should end on a high note, like George Costanza, and get out of here. Let's call it a. Let's get out. and end. <laughs> <laughs> See Paul, that's a foul ball. That's a real foul ball. We'll see it. We'll see you next week, people. All right. <laughs> see you. Okay. okay. This is all good pod. So uh, before we get into our actual topic of the week, we're going to start with a segment we like to call "Fell in Love with the Show." I fell in love once, and I'm most completely now. Yeah, so this is whenever we see a new Jack White or Jack White-related associate concert, we are going to talk about it on the show and give you kind of the lowdown of what we saw. Yeah. Paul, I heard Telltale that you went to see a show this Uh, week. Yes, I did. I saw Miss Margot Price at the Troubadour in West Hollywood, and it was so good. She's amazing third man records recording artist margot price the wonderful new breakout star yeah she's amazing she's plugging her album midwest farmer's daughter first of all i'm in love with this album but more importantly i'm in love with margot her stage presence her music songwriting her musicianship all of it is just totally totally clicking on all cylinders right now and let me tell you, it was great to see a Jack White-related act on the road. It's been, like, a minute since we've seen one. What the yes, hell? Seriously. I mean, I mean, Pokey is, is out there. He's still doing stuff. You got your uh, Dominic Davis's, You've got your Fats Kaplan. Yeah, they're doing, like, sporadic shows. I'm talking, like, a concert sh- tour. Like, the closest I saw this year was I saw Allison Mosshart. You know, with the kills, oh yeah, plugging their amazing new album, but anyway we we talk about that another day when we can get to a Moss Heart show, which we should definitely do, but Ms Margot Price all right, so I saw him at the troubadour, The troubadour for those of you who haven't been, I knew it from it was the the small concert venue right outside of Beverly Hills, where John Lennon was heckling the Smothers Brothers wasted with Harry Nelson and was kicked out and punched a photographer on the way out,
3: <laughs> yeah, it
1: was in nineteen seventy Two? Three, 73. Three. damn. Yeah, or maybe it was 74. Dad can correct us. But anyway, <laughs> this venue, it, it does not shock me that the Smothers Brothers could hear Lennon because this venue is tiny. It is very, very small. It's like a bar, a very short stage area No bigger than, like, a standard living room, I would say. Uh And then the set. And then there's, like, places to sit up top. There's, like, a lounge on a first-come, 1st serve basis. So I went with a buddy, Andrew, and we went up to the lounge area. And we were kind of, like, chilling there. And we were like, nah, nah. I want to get all up in that stage. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, while the like the music ambiance playing while we were waiting for the show to start, you know, it's always pretty cool because you kind of get like a flavor of what either the artist or the venue thinks is similar music. And they Mm. played two songs that stuck out to me. They played Honey, We Can't Afford to Look This Cheap. Nice. And they also played Crippled Inside by John Lennon.
4: Oh, wow. Nice.
1: Yeah, which has that kind of honky-tonk flavor. If you've never heard Margot's music, she's definitely like a honky-tonk artist. I hesitate to say country, although it's definitely country. I almost think of her more like, you know, honky-tonk. Yeah, she's not singing about her her dog dying. She's she's <laughs> singing about her crippling alcoholism. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, we were I was positioned right on the amplifier. So I was sort of leaning up on the amp all mm. night so this the sound was hitting me so her band came out first and her band started playing kind of like Ringo's band does and then the bassist was like and now Ms. Margo Price and she like came barreling down the stairs and she had a she has this guitar her guitar case by the way has like all this Johnny Cash bumper stickers all over it and stuff nice her guitar acoustic guitar has price written on the guitar strap one could call it a price tag <laughs> So anyway, she did just this set was really tight, a lot of high energy. She came. The first thing she talked about was the fact that she brought a beer onto the stage and she didn't have a lighter to open it. And so she asked the crowd who had a lighter and the guy in the front row did not have a lighter, but took the beer from her and smacked it and opened it on the side of the stage. (laughs) So that's how the show (laughs) began. Uh, I was I was definitely front row, but I was more to the left on the speaker, like right by the keyboard. Long story short, her set was amazing. The songs she played, she's very conversational between the songs. She smiled a lot. She danced a lot. She would do songs without playing guitar. She would take her guitar off and like dance a little bit and sing with a microphone. She had a, a tambourine she would rattle mm-hmm. around every once in a while. Anyway, really, really good stuff. She actually left the stage for a portion of it so the band could do an Eagles cover, all instrumental. <laughs> and then... <laughs> The band left for a portion of it so she could come on and do this like, uh, I think it's called Made in America or American Made rather. And it's like this really poignant kind of political song and she's just, mm. her songwriting is so on point. It's so, so it's, good. It's real solid. Yeah. So she also did the cover of Mercedes-Benz. So some of the more exciting moments of the night happened later later. She, during, I think, Four Years of Chances, which is a great song, I think it was during that song, she got up with the mic and decided to climb up onto the amplifier I was leaning on. Oh, my gosh. So it's just me, like, you know, with a shoulder on the amplifier, and I'm like, oh, crap, here comes Margo. She climbs up onto the thing, and then she's just standing right in front of me. <laughs> and she, she, like, did her thing. She's dancing around up there. It was really, really awesome. She got down there. I thought that was going to be, like, the coolest part of the night. Uh, but then later, during the finale, she – and I I guess hurting on the Bottle was the finale. She climbed off the stage and walked into the crowd with her microphone and started, like, singing and dancing with people in the pit. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and so I was, like, a little far away from that, but – she had her make her way back to the stage and so she had to walk right by me to do it and she was like sort of greeting fans on the way like one or two people and then she gets she gets to me and there's like a space in front of it, like between us and i'm just like looking right at her and i'm like i'm like do i go in for the hug here like what do i i was like and then my brain is like my my brain is like no don't don't do that under under no circumstances approach or touch this person long story short deer in headlights i've stood frozen there (laughs) she's looking at me as she's walking up and then she just looks down at my i was wearing my jack white t-shirt with the third the third Men logo on this chest she kind of Understood what my deal yeah. was. Right. And then she just does this. She reaches out and she just pets the Jack White <laughs> symbol on my shirt. And she, like, <laughs> give me a smile and a wink and then went on her way. And I was like, Margo yeah. touched me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Paul just wanted to take, take, take. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though, for real, though, when she touched the Jack White symbol, I was like, I'm going to die right now. I'm Post just like, gonna... I wouldn't wash it for a week. That would be all that I need help. <laughs> we were about to find out what happens when I finally spit Coke Zero all over this laptop. Well, it's just not fair. <laughs> Paul just needs a piece of hair. <laughs> anyway, that's just an example of the amazing performance she delivered. She came on to an encore. The whole troubadour was sh- chanting, We Want Margot. It was quite, quite a scene. The friend actually that she based the song 4 Years of Chances on was in the crowd so she obviously had some friends and family at the show. Nice. And, but let me tell you she just put on such a good show. I can't I can't like stress enough. If you can see Margot Price live, see this woman. She's so good. Uh, you've 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 made me upset because <laughs> I missed out on a concert at the World Cafe in Philly. It was $12, and I went... What? And I regret it now. So well, I've regretted it since I, I heard the album for the first time because I, got, I had the chance before I heard it, and now I'm just like, ugh. She may come around again because she's still on tour. Like, she's, yeah. still, I think she was flying to Minneapolis after that, so... But, um, Paul, this is Philly. <laughs> she's not going to come back. She put a hurting on the Philly. Well, Jack even said, he'll never go to Philly again. <laughs> That's right. And he never has. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, Ms. Margot Price, if you were wondering, I was the second fool that shouted, we love you, Margot, at you. And so that that was me. And thank you for coming. And thank you for such a great show. It was amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. Seriously. Come back to Philly. All right. And that's been Fell in Love with the Show. I've had a love once, I'm almost completely. Welcome to our third man this week, Mr. Tom Valenti. Tom, how you doing tonight?
5: I'm good. How you
1: doing? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: going, it's going well.
1: Tom is a is a member of the Third Man House band, as we <laughs> call <laughs> them. Uh, Tom helped to record and played guitar and contributed vocals to the theme song for yep. uh, for this podcast. And might I say, it's a kick-ass one at that. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, we all spent a uh, real sweaty, gross afternoon in a uh, bedroom together and learned a lot, a lot about one another. Yes, Explored just... each other's instruments. <laughs> 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 so Tom and I, as it turns out, have been to many of the same Jack White shows together, and we just never knew it. And we were just sort of there at different times. Right, Tom? This is kind of weird. We were at some Rack shows together, Jack shows together. Crazy.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we were just talking like, oh, I saw this show at MSG, and da da, da and, you know, I was like, I oh, was at that, that one too. So, yeah, it's funny. Like, ten years later, we found out that we were in the same place at the same
1: time. Yeah, kind of a small jackalite world. What was your first jack show?
5: First one was White Stripes at Keyspan Stadium in uh, Coney
1: Island. Oh, nice! Oh,
5: wow! What uh, tour was that? I'm pretty sure that was the Get Behind Me Satan tour.
1: Oh, sweet. So yeah it was, was really he was, good. was he rocking the mustache? <laughs> yeah, he had the
5: tiny devil mustache going and, <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah, it was really cool, and we had a good spot it wasn't it's not a huge stadium, and we weren't super close to the stage, but we were had a good eye line, and they were terrific. They were really,
1: really cool nice
5: and, <laughs> funny enough too, it was the first time we had seen or heard of Brendan Benson mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. opened for the opener.
1: What? Really?
5: Who I think was the Shins?
1: Yes. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Wait, so Brandon Brandon was opening for the opener? Yeah. For Jack?
5: He was the first act before like the opener came out. So he was like, we got there really early, and he performed.
1: That's kind of funny, because when we saw him for our first show with the White Stripes, uh, Nick Cave opened for the opener. And Nick mm-hmm. Cave is like a, you know, he's he's a well-known name. Yeah. And then they had this like old nashville country star who i guess I, I mean me and paul had no idea who he was but it was very no it's bizarre because they had this big guy big name guy open for the i was, was at very, that
5: one. i was that was the garden show right
1: yeah, yeah yeah yeah
5: yeah i don't know if we were there the same night but i saw that
1: show too <laughs> see tom this <laughs> and that was happening happening. with us
5: right yeah this is what yeah this is exactly what we're talking about this that was inky, <laughs> that was the icky thumps tour right
1: yeah. Yeah. You're always yeah, one she- step ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's funny enough you mentioned Brendan Benson. This episode is about the Rackin' Tour's first tour in 2006, the Broken Boy Soldier Tour. What's
6: your name?
1: And as we were going through these dates, we sort of detailed the various legs of the tour. Now, I saw him at Roseland Ballroom, and that was on uh, September the 25th. But on September the 24th, he played House of Blues in Atlantic City, and you were at that show.
5: I was. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Not Atlantic City. Atlantic City is terrible, and if you don't have <laughs> any reason to go there, don't go there ever.
1: <laughs> we uh, we had James's bachelor party at Atlantic City, and it was gross.
5: That's I, I I haven't been to a bachelor party there, but I I know people that have, and gross or not, they had a good time.
1: Oh yeah, yes, we did. Atlantic yeah. City, very fun, very yeah. very <laughs> gross, very fun.
5: <laughs> I got into a fight like with a not a physical fight but like a, a verbal match with an actual carney. <laughs> what yeah
1: um. Was it Jack White?
3: Step right up. Step right up. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Gather around. Let me tell you all about the Mac and Jack Wonder Potion.
1: Guaranteed to give you unbelievable power. <laughs> <laughs> now listen here, Mick. It can give you the strength of a raging bull. I told you, <laughs> get on that Ferris wheel.
5: <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened. The guy was trying to get me to play one of the games. I was walking with my wife. And I was like, oh, no, thanks. And then on our way back, he, like, came over to us and was, like, threatening me to play his game. <laughs> and I was like, wow. all right.
1: Was he, like, the Saw guy? Was he, like, do you want to play a game? <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, he was more, like, Cletus from The Simpsons. Oh, cool. cool. Oh, no.
1: The Simpsons. <laughs> I-, I see my
5: mom from over here!
1: Yeah. Our podcast is slowly devolving into a Simpsons <laughs> podcast, I swear to God. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a cool show. Who opened for the Racks that night? Do you remember? Dr.
5: Dog. I th- I oh nice.
1: A coworker of mine actually does a lot of graphic design and poster work for them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he comes in with nice. a Dr. Yeah. Dog hat every day. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think they followed them around for a bulk of that tour, actually. Yeah, that makes sense.
5: Show the dog.
1: Now, did you go into the show expecting anything? Not
5: really. I was more just curious to see how it would be, because I think it was the first time I saw Jack play with a full band. Yeah. So I was just excited to see how that was, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, nice. What was the crowd like? It was a good mix, actually. It was kind of like I noticed a lot of couples too. I think maybe people did what we did, where they like took a weekend to go down to Atlantic City to see the show. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it seemed like a pretty good mix of age ranges and. It wasn't problematic like other shows I've been to where, you know, people are pushing you to get to the front an hour into the show or giving you side eye. I, I've been to a couple of shows in New York, uh, White Stripes shows, actually, where like the crowd seemed too cool to enjoy the show.
1: Kind of like the Radio City show?
5: A little bit. Yeah. This was at Irvin Plaza. Oh, OK. This was a secret show, too. Like not like secret, but it was like a last minute announcement. Maybe I think on MySpace. It was that long ago.
1: And oh, man. wow. Was Jack on your top eight?
5: Um, yes. It, he was He
1: was so cool. He had a top three. <laughs>
5: <laughs> My wife found it. It was like an, a last minute announcement. And she was like, oh, I'm going to go because she worked in the area at the time. So she waited online for the tickets. And we were able to get them. And it was awesome. We were really excited. And we were having a great time. But it was weird because these people around us seemed annoyed that we were enjoying ourselves, like <laughs> singing along and, and dancing. And then at one point, Jack had to stop the show and have somebody kicked out because he was trying to start a mosh pit.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Like, even um, in our White Blood Cells show, we went over how Jack was getting tired of trying to meet people's expectations when he was touring already, he was only on his, like, third album. <laughs> so he was going to New York, and people were like, oh, so you're the famous Jack White will impress us.
5: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't blame him for being annoyed by that, though. I don't, and I've, I've been to shows and other cities, and they seem a lot more enthusiastic.
1: You mentioned the push toward the front. That happened with me at Roseland. I'm happy that you, you did not share that experience in Atlantic City.
5: <laughs> yeah, Atlanta, the Atlantic City crowd as far as I remember, was pretty cool, pretty chill. Yeah, nice. we definitely
1: had that with the Dead Weather show. I can't recall if we had it with the Consolers tour, because I think at that point it was mostly, you know, Stripes fans and Brendan yeah. heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Rex show had the difference between with that first Tours tour was that they had a top five single mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah. And mm. like the second racks tour, they did not. Okay. So yeah, the closest they had was five on the five. And even that was, it made a lot of movie yeah. <laughs> like soundtracks. Yeah. The licensing cleaned up on that. I remember at the dead weather show after I had said, uh, I remembered the push. I also remember there was a little kid who was trying to get high and, rushed, Oh yeah. And he threw oh, yeah. up. And, in the middle of everybody (laughs) (laughs) so Tom do you remember any highlights from this show yeah I think they did bang
5: bang the Nancy Sinatra song that was yeah that was really cool was the first time i'd heard their rendition of it
1: yeah their cover is kick-ass that song was making the internet rounds the live version at the time just because like they were playing some cool covers like that and crazy
5: yeah their crazy cover is really cool i didn't i wasn't at the show when they played that i saw a video of it at a festival or something but i didn't see it live
1: yeah. was that a bonnaroo yeah. thing
5: it might have been but yeah ultimately it was just neat to see him with a full accompaniment and what he could do yeah. i like the sparseness of the white stripes and the sound that he gets with that, but it was neat to see him play in a more traditional format and them able to do more harmonizing and things like that with Brendan Benson.
1: Yeah, that was one thing I noticed pretty clearly, actually. With Brendan and Jack, it started out as me going, how can I tell their voices apart? And I had to actually, (laughs) you know, pick out the voices for the first time you know it it seemed like a an unknown because their voices sounded so good together and they sounded so in a similar range so i I was yeah i was finding it hard sometimes to even decipher who was brendan and who was jack
5: yeah especially when they're in the higher register when they're singing kind of like mid-range it's easier to tell them apart but when they go higher they can sound a little similar but they just mesh really well together how big was the venue it was a good size it was pretty full i'd say it was if memory serves, it was bigger than Roseland.
1: <laughs> J- I'm sorry. James was holding uh, James was holding back a very mature joke um, <laughs> about it being a good size and very full. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all right. I've I'll ever, try to I've choose my words before. more wisely. <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that fine note. Welcome to our third man for this week, Stephen Scott. Stephen, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. Thanks for coming to the show. Absolutely. We first met when we we were working at the same place together, and I guess that was around like 2010, 2011 Mm -hmm. uh, or so, right? Something like that. And then shortly after that, Jack releases his first solo album. What were your thoughts about the solo album when that first came out? Were you impressed with it? Did you think it was better or worse than his other material?
2: I loved it. It was... You know, I liked the new direction. Like that's the thing about Jack White. Like you kind of have to keep up with him because he's constantly (laughs) moving, constantly evolving his sound. And so for me, that was I thought the perfect direction for him to take at that time. And it was also more in line with, I guess, like kind of folk music I was getting into at that time. And so yeah. it felt, yeah, it just like fit in with everything else I was listening to. So it, for me, it was the perfect album at the perfect time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it had a lot of acoustic flavor on that, but it was also a lot of variety. Uh, I know you're a big Elliott Smith guy. I, I don't know how much overlap there really is there between the two of them, but I can hear some similarities in the music there a little bit.
2: Like, I don't know, maybe some of the confessional li- type lyrics and stuff like that, stuff that just... You know, you can tell he, he's always done this where he gets really personal in his lyrics and stuff like that, but I think even more so with his solo album. Yeah. Some of those songs really yeah, stuck sure. out to me at that time that I just thought, wow, this is not what I would have expected from him, but I, I really, at the same time, I was so happy that he was moving in that direction. So, I don't know. i We could go on and on about <laughs> his first solo album, but there was... Yeah, I, I, I revisit it often. Yeah, he often says he doesn't want to be known for
1: just one thing, so he doesn't want to be known as the electric guitar guy. So, you know, it makes sense that he'd try to move into other directions with a, with another project, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's released on April 23rd, 2012, and l- less than a month later, on May 22nd, we went to go see Jack White with our friend Alex Segura, at Roseland Ballroom. Alex, who was on the show a couple episodes back. So we all went together. It was Alex's first show. Had you seen him any other times
2: beyond that? Did you see The Dead Weather? I did. I saw The Dead Weather in L.A. as well. Um, Nice. Oh, nice. I I guess it was the year after that. So, yeah, that that would have been my third time seeing him in concert. Awesome.
1: Yeah, The Dead Weather have definitely a different persona on stage than the racks do, but... uh,
2: Yes. Uh, That was just... Seen Alison Mosshart for the first time. We won't get into all that, oh, yeah. but it was, it was just like <laughs> pure sex on stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was. It was, yeah. yeah. It was like, who is uh, that? You were talking about the white light. She brought the white heat. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah, we've talked yeah. about that on the on show a little bit. That, that was the closest I've ever been to like a white person orgy. Hello, I'm Chuck Taylor. Today in the news, bum
4: bumstickity bum bum. I like to rap a pump a pump. <laughs>
2: That was in, I guess, back in May 2012, the Blunderbuss tour. We saw him, as you mentioned, at the Roseland Ballroom in in New York City. I don't think we had any idea who the opener was, but it turned out it was Alabama Shakes, which was a cool surprise.
1: they blown up yet it was right before it was pre-snl i'm pretty sure i remember them making an impression because Stephen. when we got in there i think there was like a pre-opener act too there was some i think there was mm-hmm. somebody before Alabama shakes like roseland was unfortunately r.i.p roseland was a very small place a very intimate setting maybe one of the last times i saw him in such a small place because after that lazaretto turned into this kind of weird stadium thing mm-hmm. and going in there it was really it was really hot it was really really crowded and you know we were sort of being shuffled around but yeah once alabama shakes went on i think you and i started to get toward the front of the stage right we tried to sort of make our way up front right
2: yeah yeah we eventually made our way about to the middle of the floor kind of just like off to the right side yeah and we'll get to that part because that's that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I really want to talk about. But I did want to mention what, what really made this show special for me because it was the third time seeing him live was I had never seen the White Stripes. So this was the first time I actually got to hear White Stripes songs performed live. So yeah. during his main set, he played you know Dead Leaves, uh, Help Hotel Yorba, We're Gonna Be Friends, Hardest Button to Button. And what made it just amazing was it was he was playing it with the full band and so we got mm-hmm. to hear these songs with piano and bass and violin and it was his all-girl band the peacocks and they were brilliant and with these new arrangements with these additional players it was kind of like hearing these songs for the first time yeah. yeah
1: i remember thinking to myself throughout that whole tour uh, how lucky i was to be hearing white Stripe songs again was the first thought that came into my mind and then the second thought was oh man, is this how we're going to be hearing these songs from now on? It, it actually cemented in my mind, for me, the death of the White Stripes in a way. Mm, hearing mm-hmm. those songs with a full arrangement, I was thinking, oh, this is the new normal for these White Stripes songs. Yeah, and I remember hearing uh, We're Gonna Be Friends on that tour for the first time in a, in a country arrangement, mm-hmm. which... Is very different and I like it on a different level, like you were saying. It's like hearing it for the first time, it's a different song. He even did uh, like Top Yourself, uh, mm-hmm. he does it in a, in a different arrangement, and I, I really do enjoy it differently than I like the Rack and Tours version.
2: A different yeah. flavor you know like yeah. if you prefer the original version you know that song is still intact you know yeah mm-hmm. but if you want you know something a little bit if i don't know just an evolution of that song you know there's he, he gives you that as well so yeah I, I i always appreciate that i like hearing bands play around with their old material and kind of just you know, being able to see it in, in a different way, come at it from a different angle. Yeah, yeah definitely. And he's, he does uh,
1: that. He really hopped around that set too. It wasn't sort of just Stripe songs. He did a lot of Dead Weather. He did a lot of solo stuff. And mm-hmm. then a couple oddball songs like Two Against One from the Rome soundtrack yeah. he played at that show. That's true. Uh, Rose with a Broken Neck too. He didn't play that at our show, but he played Two Against One. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, because I had found Two Against One during that first Jack Drought prior to Blunderbuss, you know, when he was putting out those sort of oddball singles and doing these sort of one-off projects and I remember thinking like oh my god why is he playing this it seems so random because it was just I had only ever heard it in my own iTunes <laughs> you know i had never heard it yeah. in public before it was kind of weird hearing it like that but really cool I'm happy he did that
2: yeah he really kind of ran the whole gamut of his career so that was perfect show all all around and it gets better so he closed the set with Ball and Biscuit and And then just to paint a mm-hmm. picture for the listeners, um, for those who've never seen a show at the Roseland before it closed, the layout, you know, it's kind of like this long rectangular shape, all standing room. The stage is on one end and there's a balcony on the opposite end. And so, like I mentioned, Paul, we had made our way to kind of the middle of the room right off to the like very right side and there was like a platform right there raised up and on the platform there were you know chairs and little round tables people sitting there with their drinks just chilling and yeah. so we're we're standing there waiting for the encore and then without warning we hear like and it's way way louder than before it, it's coming from our immediate right so, <laughs> you know, suddenly roadies are running around on the, the small platform, clearing the small tables and chairs, ushering people off to the sides of the stage. It's just insane Yeah, insanity. they got their drinks, they're like running for the side. They're like trying to get away. Yeah, it was just like, it all happened all at once. I, just a blur, and you know, the curtains pull back to reveal Jack, now with you know, the Buzzards, is all guy band, and they just have launched into black map. Look yeah. at each other like, oh my God, is this happening? <laughs> uh, we went from you know the halfway point in the room to like to front and center stage, like just yeah, we were right under him. We were directly <laughs> under him. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to give you an idea of how close we were to Jack, you know, we could not only see the whites of his eyes, but when he would lunge forward on the stage, I could feel the sweat dripping off his hair onto me. And, <laughs> <laughs> out of every pore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I did not mind. Oh, my one God. Bit.
1: Um. Yeah, and I, I I hurried, I hurried and rushed out my phone, and I knew he hated it, but I didn't care because I was like, "There's no way I'm not going to capture like a little bit of this." And I caught maybe a minute of of him being really, really close. It was yes, crazy. I, and at as, as some point in the video, we'll put it in the we'll put it on the Facebook page. But at some point in the video, you can see him sort of look at the at me with the phone, and then I feel like kind of embarrassed. So I put it away,
2: but <laughs> it was crazy. Yes, I I will admit I I, I did the same. Uh, So if you're listening, Jack, please forgive me. I I whipped out my black (laughs) gadget during that part, uh, which sounds dirtier than I meant it to. (laughs) It always does. Don't worry. It always, always does. And uh, so, yeah, I captured a few seconds of footage. I caught him smiling on camera while we were all singing along to uh, Seven Nation Army. That was my favorite part was when the band stopped playing. And yeah, and the crowd just... Took the melody and they were all just oh 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 oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> jack was singing the chorus over us and that was (laughs) that was so fun and and here's my question james where were you in all this (laughs) (sighs) what's your excuse yeah james (laughs) look i
1: wanted to be there i think i was doing finals in college i was definitely at school probably because this wasn't during the summer this was well it's may so it was right toward the tail end of your semester so i would have been just graduating school I have no idea why you didn't go actually. Uh probably expensive and I didn't have the money and I was a college kid. <laughs> now we wound up going we wound up going James later mm-hmm. that September we saw him at Radio City uh, as we talked about on the show we saw the same tour but we saw it at the second night the night after he pissed off everybody. Um yes, that's which right. was a different experience at at Radio City it was a little more Formal is the wrong word But it was a large It was a large venue It felt less like A experience with the band And more like We were just At a It felt more like a show Like a performance Rather than Mm. An experience And That's not to say I didn't love that show In fact that's one of my Favorite shows Because we were Pretty high up The balcony For that show But I was having such a good time rocking out to the music during that particular show because I was all the way up there, and I, you know, I was just able to get yeah. into the groove. And doing a bar crawl directly beforehand definitely helped. Um, so that that show definitely is um, it's higher on my my list of, of Jack shows to have gone to. And we also got to see Pokey Laforge during that show, which uh, i I love him, so it was really good to see that as well to be introduced to that man that weird that weird <laughs> creation um, yeah. but
2: at least you got to see him on that tour, James yeah,
1: yeah I was yeah. Happy, I, yeah, that was the only show that I've been to that was from the a touring of the first album you know of one mm-hmm. of his projects. so the dead weather I saw I didn't see them on their first go around. But I saw them on the Sea of Cowards go around White Stripes. Mm-hmm. We saw them on Aki Thump. Bracken Tours, I saw them during uh, Consolers of the Lonely. And this was the first time where it was, like, fresh. It was like, this is the first album and the, a new experience, and no one knows what to expect. So mm-hmm. so that was nice. You know, it was a nice aspect to that yeah. show.
2: Yeah, I did contemplate going to that Radio Hall sh- music hall show just because I'd never seen a show there before so that would have been a cool experience in itself I think I was saying to you at the time Paul that I was like well there's no way he's going to top himself like (laughs) based on (laughs) what what we just experienced it's just going to be a step down from that so I just I guess I didn't feel the need to double dip at that time yeah Lazaretto definitely took the bill and made it they made the
1: stakes like way higher I don't know something he did top himself with Lazaretto, I feel like okay yeah I can't wait for that next for this next tour. I, I was just doing the math here. I've seen him, I think, nine times as the total count. The last one being James, that MSG show with the Lazaretto tour. Yeah, I hope whatever next tour we get, which hopefully will be soon. Um, I hope whatever next tour we get he switches it up a little bit still because uh he's he's good at doing that and now that we've seen two solo tours i wonder i wonder what the next one's going to be like i wonder who he'd bring bring with him how that would really be structured you know yeah mm. i feel like even the the next time he appears on tour is going to be 2018 i don't even think we're going to get one this year cuz i think he's going to put out an album this year and uh towards the tail end of the year and then announce a tour for the following year so I feel like we're yeah. going to still be in a drought for a little longer. but
2: I hope you're right. Yeah, I definitely I want to see him again. But that encore is going to be the encore that all future encores will be compared to for me. I, yeah. I, I remember that part of the show more vividly than anything else yeah those kinds of surprises really stick out yeah it was funny
1: with the pictures like we were so far back for the first part of that show that I remember taking photos of his silhouette in the spotlight <laughs> as it was appearing on the wall of Roseland because right. I was like I, I well remember that. yeah because I was like we're not close enough to get any good photos so I'm just gonna take this little fartsy one right here and I took that and thinking that's if all I get from this show is that great and then Jack's in front of us and I'm like, I know shit. and poor Alex. Poor Alex didn't follow us up during the Alabama Shakes part. He made his choice. (laughs) He (laughs) laid in his bed. (laughs) He made that. Uh, He wept himself to sleep. Uh, uh, Something similar uh, happened to me, not with Jack White though, which is a regrettable choice but my first ever concert that I chose to go to I guess because our, da- our father had taken us to Ringo concerts in the past which is great but mm-hmm. um, I chose to go me and my dad went to an Aerosmith concert and the same thing similarly happened we were in the Tweeter Center in Camden, New Jersey which is fine I guess but we were all the way in the lawn seats so there's like a whole amphitheater and Aerosmith was playing there and they did their show and went off the stage and I wasn't used to what an encore was as a child I think I was 10 which, why, why was a 10-year-old at an Aerosmith concert? I don't know. But so we, we started walking forward after they had ended their set. And right next to us, Aerosmith came on stage to do their encore similarly to that. And I was like, this is a thing? This is why, why are they doing concert number two? We don't have tickets to this. Um, so yeah, th- those kinds of weird yeah. surprises are, are definitely uh, some of the most memorable like concert moments you can have. Absolutely, yeah, that was a good one. Welcome to our third man for this week, Mike Cavalero. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're, good. Uh, we're swell. We're good. Thanks for joining Just, us today. Th- thanks for having me. Um, so, okay. Mike is is here. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, seeing the Flat Duo Jets live, sort of in their
7: or Prime. But. CB's was just kind of... Uh, I remember it being an early sh- early show. They might have been kind of in an opening slot, which is dumb. And no, there weren't a lot of people there. And now that I... As I visualize it, no, I think it was the main room. So it, it was at CB's. Uh, you know, you can always tell what CB's expectation is because if, if you had ever been to CBGB's, there's, you know, you walk in, there's the booths and, and the bar opposite of each other as you, as you walk in. It's a long, narrow room. And then... After where the bar ends, it kind of opens up a little wider. There's no more booths. And then there was actually a table area and and then the stage. And so the club pre-sales or whatever knew that this was going to be a packed show. They would remove those tables and you would have that general admission like pit area in front of the stage. Uh, In this case, the tables were all there. Right. So I think they knew that this was not going to be a packed show. And and it wasn't. And so there are people sitting down. That's the other CMJ is dumb. It's it's like, um, you know, I don't know who these people are, to tell you the truth. I mean, there's definitely like real music fans there. But I don't know. You don't go to a flat duo Jets show to sit down at the table. Uh, it's no. weird, right? <laughs> table service such flat duo jets doesn't make sense. So there's people <laughs> sitting down at the table, and maybe, maybe I think you know, I don't know. I, I can't profile him, but flat duo jets do this awesome set, short, short set, half hour set, right? To like sparsely attended room, and then best part of the set, so that they end. And Dexter jumps off the stage, lands on the tables. <laughs> it should be physically impossible. We have forward memento should, should topple everything. He, he should really hurt himself. And uh, uh, I don't know how, you know, somehow maybe he did. Maybe he, did. He, you know, he lands on the tables, turned around, grabbed his guitar, sort of like from the butt of the guitar and just threw it like a spear straight into his amplifier. <laughs> Like, head, <laughs> headstock first Right into the amplifier Everything oh collapses my God. Runs straight out the front door barefoot <laughs> Out out into the street
1: Did he know he wasn't getting paid that evening Because he ruined I, the club? You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen so much <laughs> Yeah He seems like he's playing an eternal game of
7: hot lava Or the ground is lava <laughs> he's, Yeah, always barefoot Barefoot both times, but, uh, yeah, straight out, straight outside. I did not see him come back in.
1: <laughs> into
7: the snow, like, like a, like some kind of weird punk rock Wendigo.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, guys, I don't know if there's a better place to leave this conversation than uh, uh, <laughs> with that notion of
7: Dexter Romweber. How do you follow that? I'm sorry for the next band. Running I into the streets. You know, Left at that, at that point. But uh, I don't know what the next band does, but can't top that. Tom Valenti. Tom,
1: you're back! Yeah, thanks for Tom, having me. Tom, how the hell are you? I'm good. We saw Lily Mae Rishi, and we're gonna do a Fell in Love with the Show segment. This Fell in Love with the Show segment is very special because it was a surprise show. People who pre-ordered Lily Mae Rishi's album... Forever and then some, uh, got via Third Man a free pass to go see her play at a small bar called The Monty in downtown Los Angeles. And so I just so happened to have pre-ordered the album and got an invite, and it was really, I was very excited. I think I texted you, James, very quickly. Yes, you did. I saw the Third Man put out an email blast to their followers and fellowship saying, if you pre-ordered, you got this thing. And uh, I was really excited for Paul because I knew that he pre-ordered it and he was in the Los Angeles area, which is, you know, it's not every day where these kinds of things line up for us because most third-man stuff happens in Detroit or in Nashville so if something's right, happening right. in New York or Los Angeles, which you know, they do happen, it's a big deal to us and especially if we're invited to something like this, which right. is so awesome. Yes, particularly they emphasized this was going to be an intimate show, which I wasn't quite sure what that was going to mean before pa- we Paul got wore uh, nice lingerie. He <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was very expensive. <laughs> um, it was worth it, though. You looked great. Uh, thank you very much. I thought it was tasteful. But, so this was going to take place after her taping on the Conan O'Brien show. And, Tom, you and I had both seen Lily Mae prior to this. Yes. As a member of Jack's band, both on the, you saw the Blunderbuss tour? Yes. As well? So on both the Blunderbuss tour and the Lazaretto tour. Now, when you saw the Blunderbuss tour, did you see that with the all-male band or the all-female band playing? I think Do it was you? all female Okay So yeah. then you definitely Saw Lily May
5: Yeah I believe it Irving Plaza When that still
1: existed Oh okay Cool Yeah Thanks. And then on the on the Lazaretto tour I think we were actually at the same show at Mass yes, Square Garden. <laughs> uh, so we had seen Lily Mae in very these very public forums and and high profile places playing alongside Jack and this was the first time I had ever seen her that we had both ever seen her outside of that mm-hmm. forum. Now I had just been freshly educated about her history because of this show I was putting together and so I just so happened to be very very familiar but Tom I think this was really the first time you had listened to her music. Sort of beyond yeah. the Jackosphere, you know. Yeah, it was the first time I'd
5: heard her own solo stuff, and it was great. Yeah, she's definitely a really accomplished performer in her own right, and she's just getting started. So I'm looking forward to seeing where yeah. she goes to from here. But um, do you listen to much country? You know, not a ton. The Jack stuff has that element to it. Yeah, um, I like Johnny Cash a lot. Sure.
1: Yeah, we're kind of in the same vein as you, I think. Yeah. I want to delve into it a little bit more. Yeah. In fact, the Lily May show kind of inspired me to do that a little bit Mm -hmm. because um, there was some covers she played, which there was that that yodeling song she played, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, And as it turns out, Bill Monroe, while he's awesome, is also not quite as exciting as watching Lily May really turn those into stompers because I listened to the same songs and I was like, he sounds like he's going to kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds really and he's yodeling while he's I don't think there's ever been a sadder suicide than a one mid-yodel but but Lily may sound like she's having a ball uh, so, anyway, uh, to circle back around We arrived pretty early to the bar This very small place, this place called the And as soon as you walk in, it's, it just reads like a bar Like a very mm-hmm. small bar And it was hard to miss the band setup Because mm-hmm. it was right there in the middle of the floor Right underneath a gigantic buffalo head on the wall and so I, I thought to myself, "Well, this is a very Jack-like atmosphere mm-hmm. I'm entering here. You got the taxidermy, you've got, you know, the smell of uh, the blue-collar man Must. in the air, you know, <laughs> it's the smell. <laughs> you got, you got this musty, dark uh, aroma for the eyes and and uh, nose. I feel saturated
5: by it. So I went... It was a lot nicer than that, by the way. for, for people listening. <laughs> <laughs> you should go there. It was cool. It's a yeah. cool spot.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm being a little." <laughs>
5: I'm not saying that that's an in- inaccurate description. It's just... I would have gone with rustic.
1: Rustic, sure. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely yeah. clean. Like, we were talking yeah. about in the in, on the car right over here. It was definitely clean and it was like... It was a dive bar but it was like a super classy dive bar if that makes any sense.
5: Yeah, it was like beer whiskey kind of just, right. you know, and all wood
1: furnishings and just... It
5: was just like a cool, sure spot to hang out in. But
1: yeah. cowboy, a slight cowboy vibe to it all. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, it was appropriate, right? So I walk in there, and, and the first thing I did was go and, and take a photo of the band set up because I was like, oh, that's cool. Nobody was there really. I mean, there was a couple people at the bar, and no, but and some people at the tables, but nobody was there. And some people were watching me take the photo from the tables, and I thought, oh, I'm just I'm embarrassing myself because I was wearing a Jack White shirt and. <laughs> taking a photo of this thing so I was like whatever so I took the photo really fast and Tom and I went to the bar we got a couple of whiskeys and I'm looking back and I'm like oh those people watching me was, was the Rishi sisters that was Lily <laughs> May and Scarlet." just sort of, sort of sitting there writing the set list. Yeah. Which is freaking crazy. Yeah. And so I immediately became ultra self-conscious and paranoid <laughs> and, you know, I had that moment where I was like, I want to talk to him, but like, I don't want to be that guy. And so I was feeling very nervous about the situation. So Paul goes up to Lily Mae and goes, hey, can you just leave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know like it was causing me a lot of like agita because I wanted to say something but I also didn't want to like make a scene.
5: So Well, it's funny because it made me feel a little bit better to know that's why because I was talking to you and you seemed very distracted and I was like <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm just boring. I was talking about the Simpsons. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, maybe I'm just being a boring nerd right now." No, no, but, I was But I, then I realized like, "Oh no, he's he's distracted by Yeah. The the, the much cooler person over the, there." Well, I was, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's just not every, see, you, you, every day you see her Rishi But anyway, so she did wind up leaving. And then um, she came back out. She went out to smoked a cigarette. So Tom and I, we grabbed our drinks. We went in the middle of the dance floor and um, right in front of the music. And when she came back in, she walked past. And so then I was like, all right. It's now or never, I'm just going to be that guy, I don't care, I'm not going to get an opportunity like this, so I was just like, hey, how's it going, you know, thanks for the invite, and instead of just sort of waving and continuing on her way, she like came over to us, Mm -hmm. and then started engaging us in conversation, and saying like, oh yeah, it's really good of you to come, really happy you came, this is a really exciting Yeah, she's really, really nice. Yeah, super nice, and then she stayed, Mm -hmm. like she didn't leave, like she just stayed, (laughs) And we had this big, long conversation, and I kept giving her an out. Like, I kept being like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just really glad we caught you. And then instead of and instead of being like, yeah, thanks for coming and leaving, she'd be like, yeah, glad you caught me, too. Anyway, I didn't think I was going to be, like I was like, all right, fine, let's, sure, let's keep talking.
5: But yeah, it was cool, because she was talking about recording with Jack, and she was talking about yeah how she works with him, and you mentioned the how they harmonize together. Sure. And she went to that a little bit, and then she was talking about... Her history with her family and doing the harmonizing and how it comes naturally to her. And she talked a little
1: bit about how she lived in L.A. briefly. Right. Because that boyfriend she had, and she said it was a bad relationship. Yeah. And the boyfriend made her come out to the... She kept calling it coming out to the desert, so I don't know what that means, (laughs) but it sounds awful. I mean, L.A. is in a desert, so... I guess yeah. So I mean, it sense. wouldn't be inaccurate. It just mm. it just seems weird. And then she was talking about how he made. It. She had moved to Alabama for him and all this stuff. But what was there was really a couple standout highlights. One of which was you know we were as you mentioned we were talking about harmonizing. And as I said, I had just freshly learned all about Gypsy and stuff. So I was asking her a little bit about Gypsy, and I said, "Oh, well, what's it like?" uh What's it like harmonizing with Jack? And she's like, oh, Jack, I love playing with that <laughs> And um And she was saying, like, he tends to be all over the place when he harmonizes, but so is she. And so they make a nice compliment to each other. And you can actually see that. After the show, I watched that Vault DVD of the acoustic show from Alaska. And you can see them harmonizing and figuring stuff out and it's never it's never neat but it's it's there's like a beautiful sloppiness to it you know
5: yeah that's kind of jack's aesthetic in general and and i mean that as a compliment but his his guitar playing is very precise but dirty like it's not clean yeah he has a so Uh, and that's kind of and he likes that aesthetic where he likes to kind of strip down right. right you can see the seams a little bit
1: We've I think we've actually described it his guitar playing as loosely tight before yeah, on this yeah. show so you're you're right on the money for what we think too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's very polished dirt is there is such a thing like it's it's grimy and <laughs> dirty but it's it's well put together I don't know yeah yeah that makes sense and speaking of Jack one of the first things she said was uh, she's like oh yeah I love this place uh, you, you cuz you complimented Tom the uh, the mm-hmm. venue and she said yeah I love this place Jack showed me this place and I was like Wow! Yeah, and it makes total sense because the fucking buffalo head. And she's like, "Yeah, fucking buffalo head." And I'm like, <laughs> "I am having a conversation with Lily Mae Rishi right now. This is pretty neat." So we talked for a while, and it was just really cool. I asked for a photo. She was very gracious about it because I thought that she would be really annoyed by it, but she wasn't. Um, and she was she was telling us stuff about gypsy, and I asked her about temporary ground alone in my home, and she was just she was very willing to just kind of talk to us and she did so for quite a while like some other fans came up to her and she would engage them in conversation and then return to us Mm -hmm. it was really cool of her to do and really sweet finally her whoever was managing the performance told her you know we have to get the show on the road so (laughs) she left and um and then she played the set and the set was great we were just standing right in front of her while she was doing it Mm -hmm. right like we were right yeah we were right in the the front front and center (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we just talked to her for seven minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty it's fairly comfortable, I suppose. Now, at the bar, I don't know how late you were there, but when they did their last call, did Lily May play Last Call?
2: No. <laughs> and
1: actually, it's a funny story because I was going to – like some people were like shouting songs for her to play, and I think she actually played one of them. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do that with Last Call and then I was like, wait a minute, is Last Call a duet with that bad boyfriend? And I didn't know <laughs> if that was the case, so I didn't. And I, and plus, it would have been like, hey, I'm that guy that was just talking to you. Can you play this song I know that you know and I'm aware that you're aware that I'm aware that you know this song? Well, you know that I know. <laughs> Which she harmonizes with him on in the in the acoustic tour and sounded oh, yeah. great. But the set was great. That was the first time either of us had heard her new album, Forever and Then Some. She opened it with, I think she opened it with Wash Me Clean. And then um, she she also played you know a lot of songs off the album, the Honky Tonks and Taverns, The Bill Monroe. I, I, f- I forget which yodel it is, but I think it's like yodel number seven There's or some, some shit like over that. Over the Hill and Through the Woods is one of them. She played that one. Yeah, the hitch, Because she, she introduced that one by saying, I just played this one live on Conan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but Tom, do you have impression like not seeing country bands all that much? And granted, I really only saw Margot Price in that kind of capacity before. Mm-hmm. But did you have any impressions of what seeing that kind of music live versus seeing a rock
5: show live was like? Um, I don't know; it's hard to say because it also might have been more about the venue itself. It was because it was smaller, more intimate. Right. I didn't expect them to be particularly raucous or anything like that. Right. But yeah, it was definitely. I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of. It was very tight. Mm -hmm. and they were all perfectly in sync with each other and it was her brother plays with him too right mm -hmm. yeah her brother Frank it was the three of them up front
1: yeah and her sister Scarlett and then uh, the bass player and the drummer both the bass player and the drummer on the album too Uh, have you seen any shows there before or was this the first time you went there no first time yeah it was the first time for both of us yeah Um,
5: definitely go back it was a cool spot
1: but it wasn't far from where we saw The Kills that's right. Last year, yeah. so it's, it was in the downtown area, so the, the more cityish part of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if I would say that there was anything
5: specifically different between because of the genre itself.
1: My impressions of it was that it felt very much like a like there's like a stomp, like a participation quality to country music in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there is too in a rock show, but there's it, it seems to be an expectation. Uh, For participation Particularly because During one of the songs A couple In the front row Got out In front of the Very small area Between Like you and me And the stage And started dancing That's true And it was uh, a lovely experience. And then, because they were less than a foot in front of Lily Mae's face, she was like, "It was like she was playing to them." And she, they were all laughing and and dancing. I think they might have knew that couple. The contrast between your and Tom's experience and your and Andrew's experience at the Kills show is staggering. The the couple that got in front of Andrew and started just, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there was a couple that made Andrew very uncomfortable during that kill show because like that music sounds a little like you know, like they're in Zion ready to ready to <laughs> sexual ready to machinations. Just... yeah I can taste your stink.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, going back to what you're saying that that makes sense. I could see that intimacy there, whether it's part of the genre or part of the venue or both. But I could see it with the with the genre too, or specifically with her and her band because she plays with her brother and sister, and it just it felt very intimate and inclusive, right? And like we were all part of like this, you know, uh, group that came together to you know watch her perform, which I just described a concert basically. No, but, but it was
1: more. Than, it wasn't just a regular concert. It was a group that was literally called and
5: put together. Like yeah, it seemed a lot more like. A group of friends hanging out, yeah, and at a jam session rather than a performance kind of thing. It, It seemed not like they were great performers. Yeah, but it seems like less of a performance and more kind of just like people hanging out and playing and drinking and stuff like that, and more. Of, yeah, I don't know if hoot nanny's the right word.
1: Yeah, hoot <laughs> definitely the right yeah. word. I would yeah, let's use that word. So, I like that. That's the type of people that Jack's kind of drawn to usually too with his uh, with his friend circle. It seems like most of the bands that he either signs on or, or is really into are very loosely tied together. They're not a really super polished band usually, and uh, they they're always having fun and i think with in lily may's case it there's a little bit of that child innocence and the sibling thing it's it's funny how he chooses his friends so that that kind of having fun on stage is something that i've i've noticed in a lot of jack related acts yeah and and this was maybe 50 people tops in the audience maybe oh yeah that i wouldn't even say that much yeah and so not only is it fun on stage but like there's nowhere to hide like you're watching everybody and their mm-hmm. reactions to the show so i just tried to stay positive because she looked a little nervous she looked nervous about the react like she was an- excited and anticipating the album coming out and so i just wanted to be there and be supportive there was a rather i don't know surly is the wrong word he looked a little like he was like completely bald but he had the demeanor of a lurch <laughs> and he was standing next to me and uh, as i say we were maybe four feet five feet from lily Mae and lurch was next to me being very motionless <laughs> so i was trying to be motion like i was trying to engage in pleasant motion to uh show her that her show was appreciated and uh and enjoyed <laughs> um, love to know more about that guy's backstory and how he wound up at a lily Mae Rishi show i hope he was just a guy who happened to be at the bar <laughs> uh, yeah because i don't know if they were they letting
5: in people that weren't there for the show i don't know i think yeah, because they did no, have the did. clipboard out front. And then we weren't ended up not being on the list, even though there was yeah. some kind of mix-up, and they were like, it doesn't matter, you can come in
1: anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, because we, we were there really early, and they were like, yeah, you're not on the list, but it's fine. Just Because apparently there was a bunch of mix-up with third man's communication. Anyway, long story short, the show was great. The The set was really, really tight. It, it wasn't terribly long, and then when, it was maybe 20, like half an hour half. or something like no, that. I thought it was about an hour. Maybe, maybe it was a little
5: more like that. And they were all terrific musicians.
1: Yeah, Frank's a good guitarist, and uh, Scarlett and Frank, when they're harmonizing with Lily, just sounds sounds really, really great. And I, I
5: also appreciate the added element of
1: them being family, mm-hmm. and
5: you can see that kind of connection beyond just being bandmates. I got the feeling you know, they were really enjoying their time on stage together.
1: Yeah, I asked her about that, too. I asked her if was it tough putting your own band together, and she said, well, I'm playing with my brother and my sister, so I kind of cheated. Yeah, so like, she's oh, been yeah. doing
5: that since she was... You know, Three since, Yeah, since she was a kid So
1: Yeah, they've been playing on stage since they were three years old uh, That's amazing Nuts <laughs> But anyway, after the show, there was a big lineup of fans So I didn't want to bother her again But I did feel like I wanted to tell her that she had a good show and thank her for it So uh, I did that And yeah um she was gracious again and uh, oh, I, I saw her signing some of her blue room singles uh, the song nobodies mm-hmm. and then we left but it was a really awesome experience and just a big thank yous to third man records for making that possible because that's really cool for the fans you know like to do that and to reward the, yeah i agree reward the zeal with like this amazing i don't want to say like priceless because i don't want to like overblow the show but yeah it, it did feel to me kind of priceless experience that you couldn't you know you could i suppose you could pay money for something like that but it was uh it was really unique so uh,
5: i like the fact that it wasn't advertised ahead of time as a, like a promotion a promotional thing right to entice people to get the record it was like oh you bought the record you're a fan right mm-hmm. thank you and here's, here's the show for you <laughs> right. here's, our, here's our thank you to you so i thought that was really uh it's a really cool gesture
1: yeah so on part that was, uh, that was it. That was the show. And, uh, we... Welcome to our third woman this week. Callie Durga. Callie, you're back. It's so good to be Hello. back. Hello. <laughs> we missed you. Aww. Yeah. So what, what was that show like? That's, that's awesome. You, uh, you saw the Lazaretto tour at the, at that temple?
4: Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal show. I was also at the Fox Theater show a couple nights before, which was a roller coaster of a show cuz he apparently wasn't getting the crowd response he wanted and he got pissed off and um, <laughs> so it was like he was he was exhilarated to be playing there because it was a, again a place that meant something to him. The Fox Theater had special meaning for him, but at the same time he was pissed off, so it was just it, it was an electric show. And oh, then dear. the show at the masonic was general admission rather than seated so the crowd was a little looser they were much more responsive so it was like a great big celebration it was just cool. phenomenal show there were so many moments in it that were just incredible and there was one thing that happened for me and two friends particularly that uh, kind of ties in with the new segment you guys have created i don't know if you've heard about that show that uh, Jack pulled three women up on the stage with him Mm-mm. during my doorbell.
1: No. No.
4: Well, it was me and two friends. Whoa! What? Yeah. That's awesome. There were a couple shows before that where he, there was one show like a week or whatever before where he pulled a girl up on the stage and she didn't know what to do. She was just kind of standing there and, <laughs> and he like kept handing her his guitars like he thought she would try to play and, and she didn't. Um, <laughs> But she was, you know, she was up there through the end of the show, and then a couple nights later, he pulled a guy up on stage who did know how to play guitar and who joined him in playing Seven Nation Army. What? Uh, And then... Oh, my God. That night at the Masonic, he did it again. He came over in front of us, and I didn't see the signal, whatever signal he made, but two of his texts came out, and, you know, I figured they were just coming to fix something like they always do. But our friend Daniel, who was standing behind us, said that he saw Jack kind of motion to the... To us. And next thing I know, my friend Sharon next to me is like levitating up in the air. <laughs> and the the roadie who's on the stage is like helping her come over the barrier onto the stage. And and I'm watching this and, and I didn't even think. There was no conscious thought at all. I just I grabbed the barrier and started pushing myself up. And I'm short, <laughs> so I wasn't getting very far. Next thing I know, Daniel's grabbing me around the waist and shoving me up, and I got my feet up on the barrier and I looked toward the stage and there's I think his name's Abraham, one of Jack's um, tech guys. He's holding out his hand to me, like, come on over. So I grabbed him, and I stepped across. I looked down at our other friend, Eleanor, and she's looking up at me like, what, what? And I said, come on. (laughs) So I get up on the stage, and there's, you know, Sharon standing by the mic stand, and I don't even know where Jack was. He was off playing guitar, like, over on the other side of the stage, and... I go over by Sharon and next thing I know, Eleanor comes up behind us and here comes Jack and the four of us ended up at the mic stand singing the last chorus of my doorbell.
1: Did you each have different hair colors, and was there red, blonde, no, and No, no,
4: it was almost, it was almost perfect. It was one blonde and two redheads. Ah. So, but we were all wearing, we had been to the um, baseball game the night before where he threw out the first pitch, and mm-hmm. we were all wearing the first pitch t-shirt that they were selling from the Rolling Record store that night. So oh, I'm, wow. I kind of wonder if that's why, if because he came over mm-hmm. because of... Um, we were all three in that in a row in that T-shirt right there on the rail.
1: Are there? Are there? Because he has the uh, photographers at all his yes, shows. Yes, there. There get, are pictures.
4: Got. No way! I want to see them. <laughs> there are oh, pictures. send there's, those. There's I also see those. Um, a snippet of video that uh, it didn't. I don't know if it made it to YouTube, but a uh, f- guy I know uh, who records a lot of shows sent me a snippet.
1: Oh, that's awesome! That
4: I think Nick Boat from the TMRC group. I think he uh, also mm-hmm. recorded it but I never got a copy of that. Wow. So yeah, that that uh, that was one thing that for me and uh, and my friends definitely made that show. Wow. Right up that there is, in the, in yeah, the top that 3.
1: Yeah, <laughs> would have made my life. I, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, that is uh that is quite a story. Like we have a lot of third-hand stories. You have a first-hand experience yeah. on stage that is amazing.
4: It it, it was a trip. It was a trip. It was. It's one of those, for some reason, I, I, I don't have very clear memories of it, but it mm-hmm. just, it was, it was not, I know when we were leaving the stage, when the song was over, Jack kind of pointed and told us to go up to the side and my legs gave out. I I fell, ended up falling on my back on the stage and like kicking my feet against it because I was just like so giddy and <laughs> jumped up and we all ran over to the side of the stage and we ended up over there for the rest of the show uh, next to the, you know, the friends and family who were sitting over on the side. Wow.
1: Was his mom there?
4: I think she would might have been on the other side of the stage because that's where his kids oh, were okay. I didn't yeah, recognize okay. anybody who was over on our side of the stage
1: I hear they're all very sweet though especially his mother who was uh, a lot of people were telling me that they met her met her at the uh the cast corridor opening and mm-hmm. uh, she was apparently very very nice to a lot of f- uh, very obsessive fans I'm sure <laughs>
4: but, I, I saw her at um show at Red Rocks in Colorado on the Blunderbuss tour and she was like walking back and forth across the, the front of the audience looking like she's a tiny tiny little woman I mean she's probably mm, not yeah. even 5 feet tall but she looked large and in charge like <laughs> yeah. she was checking out the crowd and making sure that uh, there, w- w- there was a good one So wow. she, she looks like she's probably a very cool woman
1: yeah that experience uh, I, I can think of no better end to this segment than that We'd like to welcome our third woman for this week, Susanna Roundtree. Susanna, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Hi, Susanna. Hi, James. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the time Susanna and I, last Saturday, I believe it was June the 3rd, we saw Miss Karen Elson at the Greek Theater. Yes, we did. Well, that's very exciting. Karen Elson... We have already been conditioned here, but Susanna, this was your first time listening to Karen Elson. Yes. Did you think that she had the musical chops? How did you feel about her music when
5: when you saw
0: it? Well, it's really hard to make a generalization about someone's talent based on only one live performance, especially when that live performance uh, is maybe not quite a sticking of the landing, which I think is what happened unfortunately for her and there's a couple of reactions i got going on the one is that it is a little bit unfortunate that she will probably never be respected as a musician in her own right because of her association with jack because people will always say that she either got the career started as a way to make money because of what he was doing or it was like her plan all along or just like she'll never be able to separate from that and that's unfortunate
1: yeah that's a tough thing to dance around you know
0: yeah and then I mean the other thing is that she was very clearly uncomfortable during her performance like Mm -hmm. very clearly uncomfortable and then she kind of made it worse by talking about it in a way that wasn't funny at all
1: yeah she kept in between every song she would say things like oh and here's another upbeat happy number from me Bet you guys are ready for Ryan Adams to come on. Yeah,
0: it was it's it was just everything that you're ever told about stand up comedy or performance or about faking it till you make it like I know she's British. For listeners who don't know, I'm British, my father's British. I grew up in England, I didn't live in America until I was an adult. So I have enough going on to feel comfortable saying that is that is my primary culture. I get the self effacing. Thing. But I think even when you come from a culture where that's hugely important to being considered a polite human being, I think even then performers know that you can't do that
6: right. mm. and
0: you, you just can't. Let people see that it's going badly Because then that's all they'll see
1: Yeah, she kept drawing attention to it Yeah And, you know, it wasn't as though her performances were bad I just think she came across as self-conscious
0: Yeah Well, this that's her performance so, And every single other person in her band Looked like they were just really, really good At what they were doing mm-hmm. And she, I don't know whether it was Her nervousness or What else, thats just not the same vibe that I got from her Her music, every time she played a song, I thought, oh, that reminds me of, Mm -hmm. and another song came to mind. So I think that's pretty normal for someone who's really kind of finding their artistic voice, and I don't think that counts as a negative against her. I just don't think she's, I don't think she's found her voice yet, and it doesn't sound like she's comfortable with where she is. So she's either going to stay in that uncomfortable area for herself for a while, or her next album is going to be really good, and she's going to learn and grow from it, or she's going to give up. One of those mm. things is going to happen. What,
1: how would you gauge the crowd, though? Because was that maybe partially responsible? Was it maybe? Oh yeah, was it I the mean, Rhine? like this
0: was a this was a concert where it was still she was opening. It's summer. It's Los Angeles, so it was still light outside. So she could see that the stadium wasn't even half full, and that's mm. that's a real, I'm sure, stab in the gut. But if you're a performing professional, you know that if that happens, you make that the best show for the people who showed up. You know, you don't feel sorry for yourself you do the job that's in front of you and you have to put a smile on it you just have to
1: the crowd was pretty supportive though okay they were they were shouting we love you karen and and i i think she needed to hear that but it's a shame that she needed to hear that because she you know as Susanna was saying you really just shouldn't draw attention to it like that although i mean it just seemed like nerves how stiff was her upper lip She's, the not kinda, she's not that kind of.
0: She's not that kind of kind of woman. Stiffer, upper-lipped people are the people who'd never let you see the whites of their eyes. Ah. You know, like those are the people who would never let you know if they were having a hard time. They'd be the people. That's the milkman who's delivering milk in uh, a bombed-out part of London after a night raid.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to know the rest of the tale, you can go and ask the milkman. Uh, I, sorry, I have to make yeah. the joke but yeah i get <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it yeah she's an opener so that plays into it it was a ryan adams crowd so we're talking you know late 20s to early 40s white males in polos and that kind of a crowd uh, i don't
0: know if we were at the same concert <laughs> i didn't see that same same demographic. maybe maybe
1: i'm just conflating mike jazitis with
0: i think you are everyone in the crowd i think you are i like i i thought there was a good amount of ethnic and gender diversity in the crowd i don't think there was any particularly young people there
1: okay yeah they they were they definitely skewed older yeah you're you're right about that did you notice anybody with any jack white or white stripes paraphernalia or anything like that just paul it was just (laughs) well (laughs) she saw paul and she got very uncomfortable (laughs) It was not a type of show where people were there to see Karen Nelson. People were there to see Ryan Adams. Mm. And to his credit, he was very supportive of her and even brought her on during his set uh, where they do edit on the song Come Pick Me Up.
6: I wish you would Come pick me up
3: Take me Me up. Steal my records
6: screw all my friends they're awful of shut a smile on your face and then do it again
1: You know he is an interesting one because he's from that that early indie rock garage kind of era he was at least one of the people at the forefront in fact i read an article recently talking about how he was the one who introduced heroin to the strokes uh (laughs) which i found to be kind of an interesting allegation which i'm not sure is true or not but i don't i kind of don't care because i sort of love that idea but um i i last saw him about 10 years ago on his on his cold roses tour and he was uh he was great then and he opened with two cold roses songs Uh, Now and so it was good to see him too But yeah this was a crowd that was out to see Him for sure
0: I just think And I don't mean to be overly critical of her I just think if you want to be any kind of In the public eye Career you have to Believe in yourself you have to And if you don't believe in yourself And you're not confident or comfortable what you're doing Why are you doing it Like why would you do that to yourself Why is that your choice for a career If it's something that you don't enjoy
1: Yeah, I mean, we all have bad days, too. Maybe it was just a a rough day. Maybe she read something in the press. Who knows? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it was. I wouldn't say it was a particularly bad performance. She just looked visibly nervous, I think is what we're trying to get at here. But she had a good set. She played all songs from Double Roses except for The Ghost Who Walks. She did play that. The only one from that first lp that she played
0: you could definitely tell the difference between the songs that came out of the jack white machine and songs that didn't um mm. because all the songs that come out of the jack white machine have a have a similar stamp on them um, yeah. yep. al- although i i'm sure there are people who would feel like that maybe flattening out No, no
1: no i think that's totally fair yeah He's got a style that's very pervasive
0: Yeah, so I think there's an argument To be said for her finding her own voice Mm -hmm. um, And and that That's a process that's happening Currently for her
1: Uh, Well, uh, Suzanne, we'll leave with this Uh, Would you say you wound up enjoying the show Or would you say you wound up thinking of it More as a sort of a curiosity And where you'd like to see it from here
0: I think I would maybe watch her career from an armchair for a little while before going to see a live show again, just because she, it was...
1: She didn't light your fire.
0: She made me uncomfortable by how uncomfortable she was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: and that's not what anyone goes to a concert for.
1: Right. I had a similar experience, although I'm happy I saw her because I missed all that goes-to-walk stuff, and so... That was kind of my thinking here. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I've never seen her, and so that, that could be kind of interesting. So, yeah, I don't know if I would rush out to see another one again, but um, yeah, I'll probably pick up the next record, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'm still interested in seeing her at some I point. I have
0: interest in seeing the journey she goes on from here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't give her a second chance. I just...
1: I think what you're what you're getting at is you got to pay the dues if you want to sing the blues.
0: And, you know, it don't come easy.
1: We'd like to welcome our third woman this week, Ms. Mrs. Arielle Kaminsky. How's it going? <laughs> Better if you knew that I was your wife. Arielle, you're on the show. We're very, very happy you're here. Thank you for finally coming aboard. It only took you 40 episodes.
3: Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it took her a while. For folks out there who don't know, this is my wife. She's been on drips and drabs of the bloopers for the most part.
3: I like um, to interrupt.
1: We brought you here to be a part of our Fell in Love with a Show segment. Yeah, yes. Ariel and I uh, went out into the world, and we uh, we saw uh, Lily Mae Rishi. I
3: like her. Yeah.
1: So we went to... Um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Well, yeah, we went to Brooklyn. We saw her at Rough Trade in Brooklyn uh, on June 27th. On
3: North 9th Street.
1: Right. Not, Not- 9th Street, <laughs> which is where we originally ended up. Oh, God. And we <laughs> we put in the GPS. Ariel asked me, where, where are we going? So I, I instead of telling her Rough Trade and having Google just figure it out, I told her the actual address, which was printed on the ticket, which is a which is a bathhouse? Yeah, well, essentially, it's <laughs>
3: actually, it's a warehouse
1: with baths. <laughs>
3: It's like a reuse place. They do a flea market. I've been there when I lived in Brooklyn. Okay.
1: There's no Rishis to be found. Yeah,
3: no. I was like, are you sure this is the right place? I mean... But, so
1: you get to the venue. Uh, what, what type of venue size are we talking about here? Was it a big place or a small well, wow. place? I saw some photos. It looked a little cozy. It was cozy.
3: Well, the front of it was a record store.
1: Yes. Ooh, that's cool.
3: And it was actually kind of a pretty decent size for a record store in Brooklyn. Usually in Brooklyn, things are... Beedy, beedy, beedy. But um, they had, like, a little cafe in the record store, and then I, the actual venue was kind of behind it. They had a stage, and then the whole bar and, like, floor and balcony was in there. They didn't have the balcony open. It was just standing room. Right. It was pretty small, but I was still surprised it was there behind the whole record store part.
1: It was like yeah. a, a Polly Pocket or a Mighty Max version of Terminal 5. It fits in your pocket. We arrived there just in time. So you get there, you have a drink at the bar, hang out a little bit. Uh, we we didn't, had cookies. Yeah, we didn't have dinner. Okay. So we didn't want to drink too much because I knew I had to drive, and
3: and we were hungry. We were hungry, so we bought the only food they had, which they had, was two cookies left at the cafe.
1: They only had two left. Okay, very nice. <laughs> and so we we were eating our cookies uh, in the venue. Gross. And,
3: and James showed me a picture of Lily Mae Yeah,
1: I was saying so like I was showing her you know, Lily Mae and Frank and a couple other people because um, yeah, you know, I thought I'd you know better acquaint her with what they look like and, and the whole oh,
3: actually, I should say too, because James better acquainted me before we even got there. When he had offered to get the tickets for the show, I was like, sure, I'll go with you, but I have no idea about any of this music. So why don't you give me some <laughs> music? So, I was actually able to listen and acquaint myself with all the music before going, which made it a lot more fun in that sense.
1: Yeah, she listened to it cool. more times than I have because she just kept it on in the car.
3: Yeah, on the loop. I have a really bad habit of not changing the CDs in my car, so I <laughs> listen to them like over and over until I really go insane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I well, I did the same thing with that album because I loved it very much. Uh, I honky tonks and taverns is a standout. There's lots of standouts on there, but oh, yeah. she's wonderful. I love that album. Yeah,
3: I do too.
1: So, for the record, we had a amazing parking spot, which actually does factor in. It's not just me bragging about how great this parking spot was. He's got the good spot in front of the good building in the good neighborhood. I know he's not going to want to move. <laughs> Are you serious? You don't know what that spot means to him. We found a spot in front of the door. We have the
3: closest (laughs) spot possible to the door.
1: So we had our own personal locker Uh outside the place. Did you put stickers on it? Uh, Yeah, we put lots of stickers on it. Did you write boys' numbers there in Magic Marker? I'm hungry, but that hunger will linger. I ate 16 cookies. Anyway, Ariel wanted to drop something in the car and I wanted to get a water bottle that we had left in the car.
3: Yeah, so I went out to the car, didn't want to hold my purse and all that, and because James had just shown me this picture of Lily, I knew that it was her stepping (laughs) out of the van next to my car, that probably would have liked to have that space my car was parked in, (laughs) but I just shimmied between the van and the car, and I was like, hi! How's it going? She was like... (laughs) You just said hi? Yeah, I said, hey! And she said, hi, how are you? I said, I'm great! I'll see you in a minute!
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then she got back in the van and drove away
3: I don't know, I was just saying hi. I say hi to people, I'm friendly. It's true. So, yeah, I got the stuff, and I was like, James... You should have gone to the car. You would have liked to go to the <laughs> yeah, car. She
1: had this smirk on her face. Oh, like, no. Because I, like, oh. I just, like, as she went out there, I saw Frank and her sister and the drummer um, walking through. Grace. McKenna Grace. And at that point, I was, like... I should probably go outside. He- so
3: James drank all of the water.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that wa- he
3: could put the water bottle back in the car.
1: The story ain't getting any better, yeah. James. So I I chugged this water. We love James. I chugged this water bottle and I'm like, well, I'm going to go put this water bottle in the car and Ariel's like, "I'll come with you." And I was like, okay. you you can't see this at home, folks, but James is turning bright red right now. Because, yeah. He um, was a little embarrassed. I was, I was bright red the whole time. Because I went out there and Ariel's like, she's to the left. And I'm like, oh, it's her. So I, I was not going to say anything. <laughs> she was taking a smoke break and uh, I didn't want to bother her because, you know, I rem- remember, Paul, when you met her, uh, you said you didn't want to bother her while she was taking a smoke break. Well, I did. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I saw her and I went. Uh, hi, Lily May. Which sounds sounded just so awkward. I'm sure my voice cracked. Just, oh, hi, <laughs> it didn't crack. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, hi." Uh, and I was just gonna leave it at that. And then I, you know, I w- took a step and I was like, "Do you mind uh, signing something for me, real quick?" And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. And so she walks over, and so she signed it, and I was telling her about, you know, you meeting her. You know, I had said, like, oh, yeah, he saw you at the L.A. show uh, after Conan. And she went, oh, I remember him. We talked about, like, his business and stuff. And and, uh. <laughs> and then uh, the drummer, Tanner, he went, was he the guy at that sh- show at after Conan? because he had, I had, like heard a little bit and I said yeah he's like I remember him he's like that venue was weird and Lily May went yeah it was weird that's awesome so I was super embarrassed the whole time I was like starstruck I could barely talk I felt super embarrassed that I was getting something signed because I was like well I'm that fan now I've become I've become the take 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 fan um and I felt the same way when I got the photo, so it's yeah. fine. I
3: tried to like give you like an excuse you had to wait for me to come back because as he started talking to her, I grabbed the water bottle out of his hand and I said, I'll put this away for you and <laughs> put it in the car.
1: Ariel, I love that you were James's wingman in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> as she was doing I, her I best just
3: got, I have to be a supportive wife, you yeah. know? He's just He's like a small child. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love it. I love
1: yeah. you. Oh, God. James, you're not a small no, child.
3: you're not. You're but I certainly act like, like one.
1: You're... James, you're a big, brave dog. You're a big, brave dog. I'm a big, brave dog. (laughs) So Ariel saunters over after I'm making a fool of myself. I didn't even give her my name, so I was like, you're famous. (laughs) And uh, I thought about taking a photo, and I'm like, no, that's too much. I got the autograph. That's all I need right now. That was all that I needed. Uh, and so I, we just let back in and... You, you said it fine. I mean, I'm assuming. You, you were laying it, I could see, like, it being fine.
3: No, he was fine. He, he was just over yeah. And I think she was flattered that we knew who she was and that we were there and excited. She was very, like, upbeat and excited about everything. And then
1: James ran away flailing his arms in the <laughs> air. Dying. yeah.
3: <laughs> she said she liked my name, though.
1: She did. Yeah, she said it's a very pretty name.
3: But I always liked the name Lily.
1: Yeah, and so, so we it,
3: we had a moment. Yeah, it was a moment.
1: The house eventually starts filling up. It actually fills up a a, a lot. Like there was a lot of people. We we had a place right next to the stage. Uh, right. My to- idea. Yeah, the front towards the right. <laughs> uh, Go, Ariel. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we basically lean on the stage if we wanted to. And uh, so the show started with her having some, like, setup issues. She couldn't find her fiddle stand, so she was trying (laughs) to lean it on the amps really carefully, and it kept falling. So for, like, the first couple minutes, it was her trying to set her gear just on stuff. (laughs) She was was
3: like, I had a
1: stand. (laughs) And this this is the show that came right after Colbert. So she had just come from Manhattan uh, not long ago. Really, really good show. Super uh, energetic. The crowd was great. Uh, everybody was super thrilled to be there, it seemed.
3: We were clapping.
1: We tried our best to, to start, like, group claps and some other people started group claps. <laughs> me and Ariel were dancing right up front the whole time. Ariel was dancing a lot and she kept trying to get me to dance more.
3: I thought it was a lot of fun. That's why I was dancing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh what do you think of that kind of music? Is that the kind of music that you listen to often or or is that was that a it was a country show a new experience for you?
3: That type of country, I would say, yes. Um I've been to like with friends I went to like Jason Aldean concerts and stuff, but that's a totally different thing. This was interesting to me in that it was very down to earth. I mm. think she was They were all very down-to-earth just having a good time, and I think that kind of rubbed off on the crowd as well.
1: Oh, yeah. That's cool.
3: Everybody just seemed to be having a good time together. Like, it was a really good dynamic there. The beat was fun. People were clapping. I feel like sometimes you can go to a show and people are just kind of watching... When people are having a fun time, they're moving around a lot, they're engaged. It's more like if you were at a party and a live band was playing, it felt more like that. That's cool. I also enjoy... This is just me. I don't know if, ever, if other people feel the same way, but when I know the music ahead of time, it makes it a lot more fun mm. for me. And because I was yeah, so familiar like with too. the CD and that I drove back and forth from New Jersey to Ohio... Um, and didn't really change the CD. Uh-
1: <laughs> Six hours. So you were very, very, very familiar <laughs> with it. My pro- I like to do that, too. I like to prep before I go to the show, and so when I went to see her, the album wasn't actually out yet, so I only knew the single, and I knew her older material, but I hadn't listened...
3: See, that I didn't know any of. Yeah. Uh,
1: but actually, it, it, she didn't even wind up playing... Much older material anyway The only older material she played Wound up being re-recorded for the album anyway So it was sort of a weird experience that way But I was so like one or two songs I was like oh I know that one But I would have much preferred what you did Which is to get to know the album really well And then go to see it
3: yeah, She did play a couple of songs That I guess w- they were older material That I didn't know And some of them were a lot of fun There
1: were some, some older ones in the mix Where she said like this is from a while ago I'm looking for a set list I can't find it. Yeah.
3: Other people scooped them up. I'm James was very disappointed.
1: Like people grabbed the set list like lightning quick. But I was going to ask the girl who took the set list if I could take a picture of it Just so I could know what she played But
3: I wish you had told me that because <laughs> I would have asked her to take a picture yeah. of it I have no shame in these things
1: <laughs> So that's cool, so the show was good What did she play for, like, uh, 40 minutes, half hour? What, 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 what did she play for? I would say an hour and 20 minutes Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, she, a good, that's a good, nice long set They didn't set. have uh, uh, clocks or watches or anything on stage so, at one point, they actually asked uh, us in the front row if they know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love so, that. That's great. Said, That's great. And
3: said, 10.05. And then the other person said, no, it's 10.03.
1: <laughs> real real great semantics argument to get into a rock concert. <laughs> right or a country concert. Uh, and so, you said there was a special guest as well? Yeah liked her Yeah, Martha Spencer I looked her up actually She's a multi-instrumentalist and flatfoot dancer
3: Her dancing was cool She was actually standing behind us a little bit in the crowd And I didn't really know who she was oh, She was cool. in this kind of country-looking dress With cowboy boots and a big red hat Yeah, it was and, a big
1: 10-gallon cowboy hat <laughs> But I saw this girl
3: <laughs> behind me And I'm like, wow, she really went all out And I'm like, cool you know whatever I didn't know that she was gonna like go up on stage or that she could sing and dance like that. That was crazy.
1: She's from the White Top Mountaineers which is a folk band from the that's got started in the 40s from uh, White Top Virginia. Uh-huh. Lily Mae uh, invited her on stage and she played a really really uh, sweet song um, and she did some cool dancing right. Her
3: dancing was so fun. She was kicking and spinning and doing those weird foot things.
1: We'll post. We'll post a little bit of that on our Facebook uh, because I was able to. You know, I I did the anti-jack thing and I filmed, filmed some of it. Yeah, we're we're gonna post a lot of weird foot things on our Facebook. It's gonna get it's gonna get real. So after the show, we were milling about, and you know the band was cleaning up, and Lily Lily put her stuff away, and she was just meeting and greeting fans at the end, and so
3: she had a line of fans to meet and greet her, and she was taking photos with everyone.
1: Yeah, so I it was like
3: when you're in line for the Disney princesses (laughs) to get your
1: photo. She's a country princess. So. Uh, I decided to again be the take, take, take. You know, the autograph wasn't good enough. While we were waiting for Lily, we actually talked to her sister and to the drummer, and we had said like, "Oh, thanks for such no, a great we show." We talked
3: to the drummer. After.
1: But they had both said, um, you know, they saw us dancing down Apparently there. Apparently,
3: everybody noticed us dancing,
1: including Lily. <laughs> and
3: they were all very grateful and appreciative, though. Yeah. And they were glad we had a good yeah. time because I told them all uh, how much fun I had.
1: Yeah, and they were so. like, "It shows." You got to keep the energy up at a show, and I'm, you know, they're exhausted. They've been playing. They played Colbert that day, it, you know. Having you guys there, believe me, I, I saw you dance at my wedding. <laughs> I, I know what that looks like, I, I and it's very, it's very high energy. I
3: didn't jump on James's back. No, no. I, I thought that would be rude. Yeah,
1: yeah. but you did, did do a lot of aerial gymnastics and some uh, tight right. spins. Well, we did, we did a couple spins.
3: Yeah, we did do a couple scenes, yeah. especially in that song where she's talking yeah. about the spinning.
1: <laughs> round and round, yeah.
3: Yeah, round and round. I've got
6: a way of spinning around And round and
1: round and round and round that, but, <laughs> That's very cute. Yeah, so they were very appreciative. The drummer especially, uh, Tanner, had said like, how much he appreciated it And says like When I'm drumming back there You know I'm keeping the beat And it's nice to see That people are like Get into the show And into the beat And because it makes him feel Like he's doing The a right the right thing
3: Yeah he said One of the most Flattering awesome. things You can do For a drummer Is dance Because it means That the beat's good <laughs>
1: They all were, were super thrilled with how the show turned out, like, crowd-wise.
3: Oh, yeah, they said uh-huh. they were only expecting, like, maybe 30 people, and this place was packed. Yeah. So they were all very yeah, that's great. excited about that. They, they said it that's never what they expected. It's awesome. And they, what did they say? It was their first, like... It was their
1: first, tour, like, part of the leg of the tour in New York, so they'd never done that before.
3: They yeah. made it sound like it was their first real show or something. They they were all, like, really happy with the turnout. That's great. Yeah. I thought it was normal.
1: And I told <laughs> her so. I said, hey, listen. Hey, calm down. This is very I mean, normal. I didn't say that. We, uh, so I got the picture. Uh, first, we, you know, said it was a great show, and you know, shook her hand and all that, and she was very appreciative, and she, she was talking to us longer. I was a little more normal at this point, because we were dancing the whole time. I asked Lily, you know, I'm sorry, but could I get a photo? And she's like, of course, and, and Ariel went in for the hug. And Ariel, I always
3: yeah. go in for the hug. <laughs> I even do that at church, when you do that awkward kind of hug instead of the peace <laughs> be with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you offered her free dental work. Like yeah. Right?
3: Well... <laughs> How did that... Oh, that was funny. No, I did not offer free dental work. I was telling her how James had given me her album before the show. So it was really fun for me because I was able to familiarize myself with her music because I didn't really know who she was or any of her music. And she's like, oh, that's great. And then she was talking uh, about Pokey. She mentioned Pokey. Oh, yeah, she
1: said how great Pokey was. Yeah, yeah,
3: and uh, how she familiarized herself with his music. And I said, yeah, we really like Pokey. I said, yeah, I put on Pokey in the dentist's office the other day. And then I said, I work in a dentist's (laughs) office. And she was like, oh, you know, can I go there? I said, yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I
3: don't know what she needs dentistry. Like, her teeth look great. I wanted to say that, but I didn't because that's weird.
0: (laughs)
1: Now, James, when you were constructing your episode, what kind of, um, what kind of editing technique were you, um, uh, oh, this isn't good. James, I'm having such a good time.